you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 78. We are doing a series now through the Psalms. Uh, we've, we've selected several Psalms in the Scriptures, and we are going to camp out today on 78. Last week we had Chad Bradley bring uh, the message on Psalm 67. He did a great job. That sermon is uploaded if you want to hear that. It's on our, on our website if you want to hear that message. And then next week, uh, Pastor Mike is going to be preaching on Psalm 37. And then the following week, Kevin Diaz on Psalm 145. But the book of Psalms have been very significant for me in my spiritual development, in my worship of God, my knowing of God, uh, and just living out a personal relationship with God. Psalms, Psalms models for us what a personal relationship with God looks like. The book of Psalms does. There are, there are many prayers. There are many raw conversations between the psalmist and God. How the psalmist feels, some of the psalmist struggles, some of the psalmist joys and delights. Um, the book of Psalms magnify and highlight who God is. The book of Psalms magnify who God is and what he has done. And therefore, it fuels worship of the people of God. When we focus in on who God is and what he has done, it fuels worship. And the Psalms are songs. These are songs to be sung, songs to be used in worship. They are also songs that teach truths, as as the one we're going to look at today is one that has teaching in it, teaching the story, the big story of God, the, 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 the redemptive story of God. And so uh, this morning we're going to focus on impacting the next generation from Psalm 78. If you're a parent and this morning, this, this may seem very relevant to you. And, and there may be some things in here that you're really hungry for. And if you're, if you're, if you have kids that are grown, I think this can still be very relevant to you. And if you're a single and you, or you don't have any children at all, this can be relevant to you because every one of us as Christians have a responsibility to impact the next generation. And if you're not a parent, you're not limited to not making an impact on the next generation. You can make a difference in the upcoming generation, in the young people that are, that are coming up, that are being raised up. Uh, as I said here, our vision at City Church is to know Jesus, love people, and impact your world. And so we're going to focus in this morning on impacting the next generation from Psalm 78. Psalm 78, starting in verse 1. says this, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old, from of old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and wonders, the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and he appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn and rise and tell them to their children so that they should hope 
so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of the Lord, but keep his commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. This is where we're going this morning. God calls parents to influence their children by teaching them what he has done and what God has said so that their children would set their hope in God and not forget his works and obey his commands. Okay, so in the Old Testament, we have plenty of examples. We have negative examples and we have positive examples. And we can learn from all the examples that we've been given in, in the Old Testament. So throughout this psalm, the psalmist goes through. By the way, this is a psalm of Asaph, who was a worship leader in Israel. And he is teaching through this psalm. He's teaching through. He's, he gives history from Moses to David. He ends with David. So he gives history. Israel's history with God and God's wonderful works displayed to and in the lives of the Israelites from Moses to David. Okay, God did some wonderful things. And then we also, in contrast to these wonderful, loving, powerful, redemptive acts that God displayed for his people, we have this rebellious people and the way that they responded to God's goodness and God's kindness and God's power displayed and so we have some negative, negative examples for us throughout this psalm of what we don't want to do and what we could instruct our children not to do and what we can be reminded ourselves not to do. So, so verse 8 tells us they were stubborn and rebellious. They were not faithful to God. Verse 11, they forgot God. You see, there is a, there's a problem within human nature. There is this tendency to have what I would call spiritual amnesia. Okay? We tend to forget the good ways, the many ways that God has displayed his goodness. And we talked about this when I preached on Deuteronomy chapter 8. That was an emphasis in Deuteronomy. And the whole book of Deuteronomy has, has a theme of remember, remember, remember. And there's this recounting of what God had done and what God had commanded to the people of God. Because we as humans tend to forget. We tend to forget like the, the, the lepers that were healed by Jesus. And he says, hey, go, tell, go show yourself to the priest. They're healed. I, I shared this story with my children recently and tried to explain to them the importance of giving God thanks and praise and glory for the good things that he does in our lives. And so these ten lepers were healed by Jesus, and there was only, what, one that comes back to give thanks and praise God? And Jesus says, hey, weren't there ten? Didn't ten get healed? Right? And so our tendency, our human nature is to forget the good things that God has done. So we, this psalm gives us a solution to not forgetting, to not forgetting God. And, and so it recounts the wonderful works of God, the power of God, the redemptive acts of God. We need all the help we can get when it comes to remembering. Remembering God. We need, guys, we need all the help we can get when it comes to remembering special dates like anniversaries and birthdays, right? 
uh, important dates. We need reminders on our phones so that we don't leave somebody we truly love hanging and forget about a special event or date, right? And so as the people of God, we need help to remember. Our children need help to remember, especially if you're working with little kids, a way to teach them is to repeat, 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 repeat. And that's, that's not just with little kids. That's just with humans in general. We got to keep recounting the goodness of God, the works of God, who God is, who we are, who he's made us, what he's done by grace. And so we have throughout this psalm, the psalmist gives, he gives a display of the history of Israel and God and the waywardness of Israel. Now, being a worship leader, I, I led worship for over 10 years. I know what it feels like to struggle as a worship leader to try to lead some people who are more excited about the Dallas Cowboys than they are about worshiping Jesus. I know what it's like to try to lead some people in worship who are more excited about that new movie that comes out than they are worshiping God on Sunday morning. I know the frustration when, when, of, of looking out and seeing people who are just bored with Jesus in church and, and not, not, not captured with a sense of awe and wonder of who God is because there are other idols that they would much rather spend their time focusing on than worshiping the one true living God. And so I think this psalmist, what he's doing here is he has a burden for the worship of the one true God, that God would be priority, that, that, that the people of God would love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, and not worship vain idols that leave us disappointed and broken and filled with sorrow. Psalm 16 Verse 4, it says, those who chased after other gods will be filled with sorrow. You see, idols tend to uh, promise so much on the outward. We think that, that this one thing is going to satisfy us and make us happy and give us comfort and give us deliverance. And yet they never deliver up. They never fulfill what we think they're going to fulfill in us because we're not created to worship creation. We're made to worship the creator and we find our ultimate happiness and fulfillment in that and having a right relationship with God. And so the psalmist goes through and he recounts the wonderful works of God. And then he recounts the ways that Israel failed to give God glory as they ought to. And so they forgot God. They, they sinned in the wilderness. They tested God. Verse 18, they did not believe God. They did not trust in his saving power. And then they, they lied and they, they flattered and they lied to God. Their heart was not steadfast. They were not faithful to the covenant. They grieved God. They provoked God to anger. They moved God to jealousy. And so I just went through the psalm and I just I, I tried to highlight and find the different responses that we see in the Israelites that we don't want to have. Because when we read the New Testament, we see that these things were written for our examples. First Corinthians ten, six through eleven says this. Now these things took place as examples for us. This is New Testament. 
These things took referring to the Israelites and referring to what happened with them in the wilderness and and the way that they responded and, and how God was good and God was faithful and God was loving and God fulfilled his end of the covenant. But these things were, were written down for us for examples. As I said, there's negative examples. There's positive examples in the Bible for us. When we teach our children or we disciple, um, we can use both. We can point to uh, the people like Abraham and David in the Bible and, and, and say imitate their faith and imitate their love for the Lord. But even in those examples of those who we consider heroes in the Bible like Abraham and David and Moses, we will find that they too were significantly flawed. Uh, there, there are things to imitate, but they too are significantly fall, flawed. So God is our ultimate hero, and he is the one that we are to ultimately set our hope in. Because what happens is when we set our hope in anyone, anything or anyone else, we're disappointed. Whether it's a modern day hero or, or whether it's a biblical hero. You know, other than Jesus, he's the only one, as we sang today, God will never fail us. Jesus will never fail us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so these things were written down for our examples. Some of the examples that we're told here not to follow is do not be idolaters like some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, tempt God or Christ as some of them did. And they were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, these things happened to them as our as example, as an example for us. And they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. And so these are our examples, um, negative examples. And so how do, we, how do we fill the gap? How do we not let this happen, not only to us, but to our children and to the upcoming generation of young people who are in the church? How do we not fail to pass the torch to the next generation? Um, I was thinking about the book of Joshua. There's at the very end of Joshua. So you got Moses who passed on, raised up Joshua. And then, you know, at the very end of Joshua, it says that Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua. I love that. That's, that's powerful. That's, that's good. I, I want that to be true. I want that to be my own testimony when it comes to my children and those that I'm leading here at City Church, that we would serve and worship the Lord all the days that I'm alive. But I don't want it to stop there. I don't want it to stop there because we're told, like Jesus, we are told to make disciples, to raise up others who will carry the torch. And then when you when you read the book of Judges, Judges picks up the story. It says Joshua died. Okay, Joshua died. And then if you've read Judges and studied Judges at all, you know that things went downhill in the, throughout the book of Judges because there was a lack of godly leadership. And the argument could probably be made that there was a, probably a lack of carrying, passing on the torch, impacting the next generation. So this psalmist gives, gives a solution to filling that gap, impacting the next generation. That's our desire here. We, we want to see that happen here. Um, Psalm 78, verse 4, it says, We will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. This is the key. This is one of the keys 
to impacting our next generation. We need to tell them the stories of God. We need to tell them the wonders of God. We need to recount to them the redemptive story, the story of salvation, how God is mighty to save. And this is simple. Parents, we can do this. Okay? Uh, Singles, we can do this. You can do this. You can share with young people the stories of God. You can pass on down uh, to the next generation what God has done And specifically, this psalmist was focusing on the history between Moses and David, the Exodus story. God divided the Red Sea. He provided for them in the wilderness. Uh, He delivered them from their enemies. And so those are a part of God's glorious deeds. But but they're not limited to just that that section. I mean, you go back to, to the very beginning of creation and God spoke and he created creation beautifully and wonderfully you can go back there and then you can move forward throughout the bible and and history of the bible of god working because god didn't just work in one time period god's been working all right throughout history and he's still working today telling of god's stories of uh, the stories of god's works and powers and wonders we should certainly do that from the bible And anybody can do this. But then we also need to share personal stories from our own lives. Our children and those that we're discipling, those that we're influencing, those that we're mentoring need to hear stories about us encountering God and us experiencing answered prayer. Us experiencing sustaining grace through times of sickness. God's healing power from sickness uh our our children need to hear stories of god providing for for our family for us when when mom and dad didn't have a job and they didn't know where the income was going to come from or when or when they're on the mission field and times are tough and they didn't know where the income was going to come from and or, or different ways that were we, we we trust god they need to hear those stories recount those stories as well to your children, the the stories of God's faithfulness, the struggles that you have experienced God giving you victory over. So share with them the stories of God, the redemptive stories of God, the the praises of God, the deeds of God, the power of God. One of the ways that we can do this as well is, is through songs. Many songs have within them stories. Many songs tell a story. Uh, Hymns, many hymns are, are rich and children love Children love music, right? Most children do, at least, right? They, they love music, and music has a powerful way of teaching the next generation. There are some great resources out there that you can use to teach your children. One of them that I would recommend, and it's on Right Now Media, is called Seeds Family Worship. And Seeds Family Worship has come up with dozens of songs that just sing Scripture. And you could play those songs and in the car, while you're driving in the car, and just have your children immersed in scripture as you're driving down the road. There's another resource called the New City Catechism. A catechism is a great way to teach children question and answer. Um, the catechi- this New City Catechism, it's an app, and it also has songs within it. Uh, and my kids love it. They request some of those songs. They're so peaceful and they're so well done. And they ask questions like, what is the first one? What is our only hope in life and in death? And the song, so the song sings that question and it answers that question. Our only hope in in life and in death is that we are not our own, but belong 
to God. And my kids sing that. And, and, and there's one, of the, one of the questions is, what is God? He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and my, my little girl, my, my two-year-old, she gets excited every time she hears Holy Spirit. I hear in the back seat, she says, Holy Spirit, every time she hears it. And it's so cute. It's so, and it's fun. It's fun to train them, the next generation. And when I hear biblical, solid biblical truth come out of their mouth, it delights me. It de- as a father, it delights me. As John says, uh, I have no greater joy than to see my children walking in the truth. And so it's, it's a delight to, to us moms and dads to see our children getting the message, having hope, having their hope set in God, getting the message, learning the message, and as a result, them putting their hope and their faith in God. And so there's great resources out there to, to communicate the, the stories. Children, again, children love stories. Jesus himself taught in parables. The very first part of this psalm, uh, this is quoted in, re- in reference to Jesus' use of parables. Um, verse uh, 2, I will open my mouth in a parable and will utter dark sayings of old. Jesus taught in parables. Uh, I think teaching with parables and stories is, is a powerful way to teach. And, and children love it. Children love it. I mean, I, I've recently been awakened to the, the reality that as, as a dad, I have to use stories if I'm going to teach my children effectively. I can't just, just break down justification by faith to them and um, regeneration. I can't just give them systematic theology and tell them what the points are. They need a story. They need it wrapped up in a story. And you know what? They get it. They get it. They remember the story. They recount the story and those truths. And as, as they get the story, those truths, as they wrestle with what that story means, the, the truths can sink in. Of course, we need to explain what the story means to them, right? Another resource that we're using as a church is um, fighter verses. Downstairs, we have, a, we have a memory system that we've implemented with the young people, and there are rewards. The kids get stars for memorizing Scripture, and there's a party that we, we do periodically when, after the kids have memorized some Scripture. And so it's another great resource to train the next generation, teaching them.